everyone remain calm. Back for more, huh? Oh, yeah. Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. Somebody talk to me! What is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. No, how long is it going to take for that to spread around the globe? This was all John Hammond's dream. Hold on to your butt. Seriously? Well, we're back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 307th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we have a great interview from Ben, the host of the Lost World Book Club, where he's going to be chatting with Vector That Fox, Joe Breeze, who is the artist behind the incredible artwork over on the Folio Society's edition of The Lost World that came out late last year. Now, if you do not have a copy of that book yet, I'm going to put a link in our show notes. It is beautiful. It is so beautiful. I love every page, every illustration. It is just an amazing copy. Um, But if you want to learn more, please stick around to hear more about it and how it was created by the artist, Joe Breeze. And speaking of The Lost World, we are in the midst of The Lost World Book Club. Our first episode was last week, so there's still plenty of time to catch up and join in on the fun. Uh, We've already done the first third of the book, which was the beginning, the page one to uh, the third configuration stopping there. And the next portion, which will be airing on February 14th, is the third configuration, stopping at the fifth configuration. Now, if you want to get in some thoughts and feelings, you can email those uh, recorded uh, audio messages. Please send those to Jurassic Park Book Club at gmail.com and get those in by February 12th so we could add those to that upcoming episode. If you've already read through the entire thing and you want to send in your thoughts on the final portion of the book, which is the fifth configuration through to the end, you well, you need to have those in by March 12th, but you can also do the same thing. Email those to Jurassic Park Book Club at gmail.com and we will add all of your thoughts and feelings into the upcoming episodes. Now, before we get started, I'd like to take care of some quick business. Over on our website, JurassicParkPodcast.com, you'll find a lovely uh, guest contributor over there, Chris K. Uh, wanted to write up an article for our website, JurassicParkPodcast.com, where uh, Chris talked all about Jurassic Park uh, Trespasser and the potential that this game had uh, back when it came out. And, you know, it's a game that has a lot of promise. It has a lot of issues and it has a lot of like really, really cool stuff in there. And, you know, the hopes and, and, and feelings, maybe we want to see something for the future. That would be really cool if there was some sort of remake or uh, a VR version. There's a lot of fun stuff in the article. So please go over to our show notes, click the link there and check out that article. Also, Tom Jurassic wrote up an article about Primitive War and the uh, comic book adaptation. So if you want to learn more about dinosaurs mixed in war, maybe Vietnam, a little bit of Cold War uh, intrigue here, there's a lot of interesting stuff and some really, really cool art. So please go to the link in our show notes to check out Tom's article on Primitive War. Now, heading over to YouTube, I was able to upload a toy hunt last week. I was able to track down uh, a Camp Cretaceous book, Kentrosaurus, 
what else was there? Gujitsu's. There was Valentine's Day stuff. There was a lot of stuff. So please check out that video. I also uploaded a, uh, a surprise to me. I didn't know, uh, but there was a, a care package sent to me from Cretaceous Dave. You know Dave from from the uh, social medias out there. Dave was kind enough to send me an awesome package with a custom figure inside. I was unboxing that on video. I was just blown away. Thank you again, Dave. I've said it time and time again. I've said it uh, in the video, on stream, on social media. You know, uh, well-deserved thank you, and I, I really, really appreciate it. So please check out that video of me unboxing that special uh, care package there. And we also had a live stream last Wednesday where uh, we discussed some, uh, you know, one of the last Dominion pictures that came out, plus a little bit of the merch that's come out recently for Dominion, as well as uh, the reveal of Jurassic World's uh, Primal Ops. Jurassic World Primal Ops. Say that right. Uh, too many names out there these days. Primal Ops. It's a, uh, a mobile game, so definitely check out the conversation that we had in regards to that. It wasn't. We didn't really talk too, too much about it because I have not had a chance to play it yet, but uh, it does look interesting. Um, but that was our live stream from last week, and if you want to tune in again this week, we will, of course, have one Wednesday night. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure to join us to talk about whatever Jurassic News is currently making the rounds. Who knows what it's going to be, but we'll talk about it. And if you have any uh, comments, questions, thoughts that you want to talk about in the live chat, please join us, like I said, Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over on YouTube. But enough of all that. Why don't we go ahead and get this episode kicked off by learning a little bit more about the Folio Society's edition of The Lost World with artwork by Joe Breeze. I wish Dr. Grant were here. He'd write the most amazing article about this. You need that guy? You got your nerd book. I appreciate that. It was kind of preachy. You had to share a few campfire stories with my uncle. No, did you read Malcolm's book? <sighs> Just the parts they didn't like. I read your book, and then my teacher told me about this other book by Manning Backer, and he- I read both of your books. I like the first one more. Well, it's two things that we have in common. Hello everyone and welcome to this interview on the Jurassic Park podcast. Today I have the absolute honour to be talking again to Vector That Fox, aka Joe Breeze, about her fantastic illustrating in the Lost World Jurassic Park. Hi Joe, how are you doing? Hello, I'm very good, thanks for having me. Thank you how for joining you? me again. I'm good, thank you. Now last time we recorded, we finished off by talking about the prospects of you getting picked to do the Lost World and <laughs> here we are. So... After the success of the Folio Society 30th anniversary edition of Jurassic Park, how did you feel to be asked to illustrate The Lost World? I'll be honest, I kind of saw it coming just based on the fact that, you know, within a week of the first book coming out, we had been inundated with questions whether we were going to do the next one or not. So I, I kind of sensed it could be happening. Um, but yeah, absolutely amazing. I was very, very excited, naturally. So you've completely answered my next question, was, which was, 
Which was how long how long between Jurassic Park coming out and you being asked to do The Lost World. So it was like literally within a week, was it? Oh, no. So I started to predict it within a week. Um, I had to look back through the emails and I think it was a month to the day, give or take a day or two, that I got the email saying, would you be interested? We're just finalising the rights. Would you do it again? So, yeah, I signed a contract a month after that, I think. But yeah, within a month, they asked me. Which obviously was incredibly difficult because then I couldn't tell anybody, <laughs> which is so hard, so much harder than the first time. How many seconds did it take you to consider whether or not you'd do the sequel? Oh, I'd replied before I'd finished reading the email, I think. I just <laughs> skipped a lot of the the pleasantries and stuff like that and just said, yes, yes, I'll do it. Thank you very much. My gosh. So hey, <laughs> did they give you a timeline on... I mean, obviously they had to finalise the rights. So did they give you like a timeline between when that happened and when they were hoping to publish or what was their sort of... Yeah, approach? so they immediately immediately told me that they were going to be uh, pursuing the rights, but they'd already had deadlines set up and that they were going to print it for the following October release, you know, the next sort of Christmas release of the books. So they already had quite tight deadlines of when they'd need the roughs and everything even though they hadn't fully approved the project. So I think it was quite good they told me that because then I could get the book back out, have a good go through and try and get a head start. Because the the bit of a trouble that I had doing this time was that I was moving house at the same time. Oh yeah, Uh, of course. Yeah, so there was a lot going on. There's a lot of uh, boxes full of things that I had to dig back out again during moving. So I was like, oh, I just want to have a look at this comic or I just want to do this or... Yeah, so that was quite challenging. I definitely pushed the well. deadline. Yeah, yeah. I I pushed the deadline as, as far as I could with this one, I think. But yeah, luckily did it. So going into the process of creating the drawings for the book then, um, as with Jurassic Park, did you do the sketches in a in a book or like a, a way of looking back at different ideas and come up with lots of different ideas for the different scenes? Yeah, so it was similar to the, the first book in that I sort of... I had my beaten up old copy and I had sort of a notepad and I think it was a biro that I tend to use because they're quite fast and and literally just reading through the book anytime something sounded interesting or possible I would just scribble it and make notes and then I also had a separate notebook that was just listing character descriptions as they came up because obviously uh, Crichton's really good at describing what people are wearing, what's happened to them you know, how beaten up they look at a certain stage, but he sort of scatters that throughout. So it's just about paying attention, like, okay, Sarah's now wearing this, or, you know, someone's broken something, or, you know, something's been ripped. So it's just about keeping up with those descriptions a little bit and making sure that I was in the right place at the right time. It would be so easy to get it wrong. and Or, like, for example, uh, jumping ahead a little bit, but hopefully not too much, when Levine is out and about on the island I considered him wearing shorts and then luckily an editor was like I'm pretty sure he's wearing trousers could you add some add some bottom halves to those shorts please so like just keeping up with that kind of detail is really challenging and like remembering which descriptions came in at the right time which obviously like you know if we had about uh, a year or two to do it I could really polish that but there is a, a slight sense of dread when I send off the final things that I've just, you know, powered through it too quickly and I've missed a really key detail that everyone else is going to pull out and hammer me for. 
I haven't noticed any myself, so I don't know whether that's... I think, uh... I think you're a really good uh, litmus test for that. So, yeah, hopefully hopefully there's not any glaring errors. But, yeah, just because the timing was so tight, it was a bit a bit scary. I remember when you when we spoke about Jurassic Park, you did the same with the likes of Alan Grant. You had like a you said you had like a journal style flip out notepad. You used to yeah. just flick it open. You had Grant <laughs> written at the top of the page, and you just whack down any details that you came across. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much the same process, but um, a bit more scattered and all over the place this time. So how did moving. you um, how did you decide what scenes to depict with the Lost World? Uh, similar to last time. Uh, and I I pulled out as many as I could think of and then pitched, I think, about 18 in total, knowing that only six would get picked. Um, obviously, you have to factor in the fact that they're going to be staggered throughout the book, hopefully with a nice amount of space between each, and you want to get a good variety in there. So there's a few that sort of would never be able to be put in, like both of them together, because they're about three pages apart. And especially in this one, things flip and change so quickly. There was a few that I really wanted to do, but just couldn't because it's like, well, we can't put all the illustrations bang in the middle. So it's about finding them sort of strategically throughout that would work well with the printing. Yeah, because we've got two strong storylines, really, haven't we? Yeah. They're about sort of running parallel with each other. Exactly, yeah. And then it sort of gets, it gets quite intense at the end, doesn't it? it? Like everything moves quite quickly, so it's like the things I was pitching, even though they're a few pages apart, are entirely different <laughs> sort of scenes and yeah. feelings and moods and stuff. So yeah, it was it was kind of challenging, but luckily I was sort of just creating content and then sending it off for them to pick their favourites. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a bit of an onus on them instead of me. Did you use the same process in creating the images um, as last time? The same techniques and drawing styles, or did it, did any of it change at all? from your experience in doing the first one? Uh, I certainly, I think I certainly knew what they were looking for a lot more this time. Uh, obviously, when I did the first book, I tried to pitch it with no people in at all. I just wanted to draw dinosaurs and nothing else. And they, they had to pull me back on that one. So this time I knew I was like pitching inside of buildings and people in the scenes as well, because I knew they'd need those. And not everyone just wants to see dinosaurs. So I had to sort of create those characters as well. But yeah, I think I think it was pretty much the same process, but obviously a bit more caught up to what they'd want. I noticed that there's more human faces in The Lost World, you mm. know, from the front on, uh, than there is in the Jurassic Park copy that you did. Mm. And I wondered if that was because the characters that you've drawn aren't prominent in the Lost World movie, or they're not in the Lost World movie at all. So... People didn't have a pre- preconceived idea about what they thought they looked like. I wondered if that played yeah. into those characters. A hundred percent. That's why they felt a lot safer to draw. Like no one knows what they look like. I can sort of argue what they look like a bit more in terms of yeah, getting them in there and making sure I wasn't going too far from what people already know as canon and sort of law within these worlds, but still getting a sense of who they are based on the descriptions in the actual book. Yeah, because we get Arby, Kelly, uh, Doc Thorne, Levine. And yeah. we do get Eddie, but, we, you know, it's Eddie in the movie a is a very bit. different character, isn't he? So He's so can, different, yeah. You can really separate him out in the novel. And then obviously Sarah's in it, but again, quite different. And the sort of description of her feels different as well. So 
getting her in there, but having her look the other way so you can still sort of... You yeah, can like include that. who you want in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's a bit more sort of hands-on action-packed, isn't she? In yeah, her role she's a bit in, more in feisty and, and young and spunky, I think. Yeah, in absolutely. In my interpretation, anyway. So with the drawings, as with last time, um, Steve Rossetti, like consulted with you with the dinosaurs and, and what dinosaurs were perceived to look like and so on at the time. Um, yes. Did any of the designs change much from Jurassic Park through to The Lost World? And did he have any input on, on how they might be different? Uh, I think he was always coming from a paleontologist's point of view, but also completely understanding that you know, there's descriptions in the book that need to be stuck to. So he, I think he sort of graciously ignored several things like, you know, wild colours that we would just be speculating on and, you know, level of feathers once again. But it was his suggestion on the first one to make sure that the raptors had a few head feathers. And I think that played in really well with this one because as the, as the films develop, you start to see a bit more sort of yeah. feathery, frilly action on them. So it kind of felt in tune with that. But ultimately, he was pretty satisfied. He helped me um, find sort of really good uh, skull fossil stuff for the baby triceratops and also fixed a few sort of arm lengths and things like that. But yeah, he he was pretty happy, which is obviously a huge relief because he's who I um, wanted them to consult with on the original one. I think he's great and has a good sense of what's going on i mean you know cool that you got to do that on both books with him yeah and it's just a nice stamp of approval as well isn't it like it's a nice sort of selling point i think for them and for me to be able to hide behind if anyone does have any problems like well he said that was great so no one's gonna have any problems you can't (laughs) you can't possibly it's fiction it's fiction of course it is exactly so (laughs) and it's artistic license isn't it you know you're 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 giving us your idea of what you think that looks like. So, you know, everyone yeah, has exactly. their own way of doing things, but I think it comes across so well in the book. They just look so cool. I'm just trying to keep it sort of within what people already know. Like, obviously, it's its own product, but, you know, people have been fans for decades now, and they, I think they wanted something that felt like it belonged to the same universe. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't, ultimately as well, you know, a, a Carnotaurus or a Triceratops... The skulls that we we have of them direct us very closely to <laughs> yeah. what we imagine they might look like, really. Exactly. And I'm so grateful for all the museum websites, especially in North America, where they have quite a few of them now have like 3D scans of fossils that you can sort of rotate and look at at different angles and things. So that's been invaluable. Yeah, because you can sort of walk around it and see it from every angle, can't you? Yeah, yeah. And some of them have like, I think it was the Smithsonian that I was on, like they have proper 3D scans of things and then have um like a viewing tool where you can rotate those and have a look at them from all sorts of angles so yeah really valuable okay so going into the novel itself the folio edition uh copy which i have in my hands right here got the real phil skin on the front (laughs) the the raptors let's start with the slip case actually so we've got the slip case is in green um, yeah and that's presumably to mirror the green raptors on the front cover yeah, it's nice, isn't it? The, it's uh, lovely. When they when they pitched the slipcase to me for Jurassic Park, the first novel, um, they showed me this green colour, and I thought that's what it was going to be. And then it uh-huh. arrived on my doorstep, 
bright orange and it, it matched pretty perfectly to the raptors so i was so happy with that but then to be able to come back with green raptors with a green slipcase so satisfying i was really pleased with that i had absolutely nothing to do with it i wish i did but yeah that's it just a... so cool and it's lovely that it like you say we've got like the bright orange from the first book with the yeah. orange the ready orange raptors and then you've got the green and the green again so if you're a collector or you display your books, which I do, and you've got them up next to each other on the shelf, they just they sit look good, so they? not oh, yeah. they look so good. It's really satisfying. The same side. Oh, it Although really I have is. had uh, a few questions from people saying, are we going to get a, a dual slipcase? Which I'm surprised by because I think they look great next to each other as they are. But, you know, collectors. <laughs> I know. To be honest with you, that would be quite a cool thing, though, because I like how they look next to each other as well, but it would be like a a third thing that you could do would like slip them in so you've got them both sat next to each other like a, a good way for them to sell you an extra set of books absolutely <laughs> that, maybe that could be the next release for next christmas something like definitely. that definitely like an exclusive uh, exclusive double slip case or something like that maybe we can stick in a few extra illustrations as well that'd oh, be great don't get me started yeah so it's like some unseen prints and stuff like yeah, that yeah why not yeah i think okay we need to work on this we'll have to we'll have to we need to pitch it to them i have yeah i think so if everyone could looking at it as well i'm just thinking we've got the green um slip case with the yellow text and then on well yellowy orange text and then we've got the mm. jurassic park is in green with the yellowy orange slip case so it's kind of like mm. they're opposite each other that's probably completely intentional but i've only just picked up <laughs> it's nothing to do with me but yeah i agree it's so satisfying um yeah I was so pleased. It's like a craft cheese yellow, isn't it? It's like a really sort of warm yellow. Which she pulled out. Uh, the art director Sherry G, I think, did all that work and pulled it out from the leaves at the top. She was like, "That oh, looks good. Let's do that. Bounces yeah. nicely." We sort yeah. of toying with that or the red. There's like a couple of plants on the front, and there's a little frog on the back that are kind of a sort of ruby red that we were playing with as well. But yeah, the yellow just really stands out on the shelf. I think ultimately. I like the red. Um, it sort of they jump off the page. It adds because there's quite because obviously with the raptors being green and you've got the foliage being green, mm. um, the red sort of helps it sort of break up the page and also the the blue is it a dragonfly in there as well? And yeah, the butterfly. Yeah, they're, they're really nice splatters of color. So tell me about this front cover. That I mean, I I just have to say I absolutely <laughs> love this front cover. There's so I'm many glad. things that Arby's cage. That is just so cool to see it. Oh, that, that was a really nice save from the editor as well, in that I missed the one word reading, like smashing through the novel, I missed the one word where it says circular. So uh, I completely ignored that when I was blasting through and tried to draw a square cage. And then uh, luckily he was like, no, no, get back to this page, you'll see it's circular. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense, because obviously they roll it down to the nest area. And in my head, I was just baffled by how they did that. It's like, are they just jumping this cube down the mountain or whatever? But Yeah, that'd so be yeah. tricky. Th thank goodness for editors. That's all I can say. Folio did a great job. Well, it looks great in there. And then you've got the, the black silhouette of a raptor. And mm. behind that, in a sort of a grayscale moving away, um, the <laughs> I don't know, what, what, uh, what skeleton did you envisage that to be? Oh, so in the book, they describe Apatosaurus carcasses yeah. all over the place as they sort of floated down the river and got caught and started um, rotting away in that space. 
So yeah, that's based on a lot of Apatosaurus photos from various museums and things like that. But uh, it gives it a nice so sense well. of scale, I think. The other Absolutely. thing with the with the cage being there, I was, I was trying to sort of create some sort of symmetry with the first book because obviously on the first one you've got all the, the fencing on that side. So I kind of wanted that cold steel bar look still, but obviously that's sort of containing the humans rather than the yeah. dinosaurs being contained on the first one. So I thought it was a, a sort of nice parallel to the to the cover of the first one. And the same with the dragonfly you mentioned. I wanted that to be in a similar position to sort of as an homage to the first book. Um, but then thought I'd have one of the hungry juveniles trying to capture it because um, obviously yeah. throughout the book they describe the the sort of raptors not looking after each other very nicely in this one, and they that mention they're sort cool of starving detail. starving juveniles. So I was like, all right, let's have one trying to eat a dragonfly because no one will share their food with them. Just pick that out with the dragonfly on the first print as well. I love that. Yeah, I wanted them to kind of feel similar, even though they were so different. Yeah. That's really good. And this is a, is that a velociraptor skull on the floor there? Yeah, they also mention there's just sort of bones of all the other, like they just, they're horrible to each other in this book. They they don't seem like a good team at all. Um, so yeah, they just mention there's just like scattered bones and just the feeling of death. It's, it's kind of based on um, when Thorne and Levine go to rescue Arby from that cage. Um, most of the descriptions are there. There's just like broken bones and scattered death basically yeah and it's quite cool because <laughs> for me both of both the front cover at, to both books are they're not direct scenes they're like just after the event so mm. what i mean by that is like in jurassic park it's you've got the uh, footprints and the fence yeah there. so it's as if they've just the humans have just been through that way and then yeah they're in, being followed that's right and then here it's like they've we've just had thorn uh, rescue arby so we've just moved yeah. away from that. So we're just sort of seeing the aftermath of that. Yeah, just the so, yeah. the wild chaos. Yeah, it's really good. It works ever so well. It's fantastic. So tell me, how did you? So how did you even approach this front cover? What? Where did you start with the with deciding what was going to be on the front cover and this image in its in of itself? I think it just came quite naturally um, through through the first sort of reread of the book for this job. I I kind of I got really brave actually and I was like I think it can only be one of two designs on the cover and hopefully they'll agree with me. It was either going to be the raptors again but you know in their sort of new setting of like a really cold nesty area just snapping at each other and arguing and just being really nasty or it was going to be the T-Rexes being quite paternal and nurturing in their nest. So I was like, I think it has to be a nest either way because I feel like they're the sort of two main focuses of this book. Like you've got the sort of surprising, surprisingly maternal, paternal T-Rexes looking after their young and coming back to the nest quite a few times. Or you've got the hideous raptors. So I would be quite happy with either of those being on the cover. But I think ultimately Folio was like, yeah, let's let's do more raptors. <laughs> let's do them. Gives a nice synergy as well, I suppose, between both novels. Yeah, as well. exactly. Yeah, because in the first one, it's it's more, it's because it's the vibe. The colours are more vibrant in the overall picture. This hat sort of stands out to me. So it's like because Jurassic Park, it's a new thing. They've just built mm. the park. Everything's rosy. It's tropical. It's glorious. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this is more gives that feeling of sort of wild, 
Yeah. Sort of chaotic with the, I don't know, is it mist or something in the background? Yeah. It just feels darker. Yeah, and I kind of, I wanted to sort of mirror the films a little bit in that way. I feel like the first one is is more colourful, is more vibrant, is more exciting, um, dramatic in that sense. And the, and the second one does feel more like a lost world. Like, it does feel more harsh and cold and uninviting and very much at the whim of the animals as opposed to the people. So, yeah, just yeah. cooler tones, lots of mist. Yeah, they're very much running the show, aren't they, in, in uh, Animals of Sauna? yeah. Okay, cool. So jumping into the end papers, I love the vibrant mm. yellow. That really works well against the green off the front, yeah. off the front cover. Again, nothing to do with me, but very, very happy about it. It's really cool. So what's the, what was, uh, how did you decide on going with the, the footprint? I mean, I, again, it was kind of trying to sort of do something that felt in keeping with the first book. It was the only one I pitched, actually. Um, and it was it was kind of based on that scene where uh, Levine's at the river meeting the Mosaurus. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm gonna get hammered if not. But I struggle with that. Was it sort of based Mosasaurus or something? I haven't got a clue. Yeah, Mosasaurus, Mosasaurus, that one, the little one. Um, it's kind of based on on that sort of environment, but then also a little bit of uh, when Sarah's coming out of the river and onto the island properly. And she sort of notices a few footprints. I think it's described around... I've I've noted page uh, 216. So there's sort of a mention of the footprint and it just made sense when the first end papers was sort of looking at the forest floor in a lot more detail. And I like the idea of having the sort of big Carnotaurus print in the ground, but then also some tiny little footprints leading away to sort of show that scale. I toyed with the idea of having a little, like, Mosaurus, however you say it, walking in the other direction, kind of similar to the the little footprints leaving the raptor egg in the first one. But then I didn't want to ruin the surprise of that animal later on, so I left it out in the end. Even though they're different species, my sort of, in my head, I thought you'd gone with the egg in the first one because it'd been born. And Mm. we get the footprint in the second one because that, it's... An oh, that's nice. So it's like the the life cycle, if you like, the start. Yeah, why start not? To the Claim finish. that. So that <laughs> that's what I. That was just my own interpretation, but it's very cool. It looks. Oh, really I love good. it. Really like it. So jumping into the next one, this picture is amazing. <laughs> I mean, it this is, is a fun one. This is so fun, and just for the record, I totally didn't see it the first time round. It it blew me away. I was. I mean, I loved the image just straight away and I, yeah. I mean just to just to see Levine because you know he he has no part in the movie whatsoever so <laughs> to get to get Levine yeah. here at the riverbed and I love this part of the book as well it's 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 great. really it exciting, just arrived it? on the island and you just it, you're like straight into it really you know the mm. trouble starts immediately tell me about this tell me about this illustration this drawing what what was the process how did you decide on this picture and how did you create this particular image? Well, like you said, it's, it's the first really exciting bit for me, I think. Obviously, you have all the stuff on the mainland going on, all the sort of prep happening, but then this is the sort of cheeky bit when he's gone off and uh, started to actually explore and meet dinosaurs for the first time. And it seemed like such a like pivotal moment for him to be able to recognise one and say, yes, 
the uh, the rumours are true. There's actually dinosaurs on her. So it's obviously so exciting anyway. And yeah, the idea of drawing a camouflaged Carnotaur was really, really exciting. So originally I pitched the, the image really from low down on the ground and had a really sort of close-up uh, right. Mosaurus. And then you could see the, the Carnotaur looming over. But they they kind of came back to me and said, can we have a bit more Levine in it? I want to feel like we can fully see who it is there and what he's doing. So I had to rework the angles a little bit and make sure that I was still zoomed in enough that you could physically see the Mosaurus. Because obviously the, the fossil that they found and the the idea that this one is based on is like 10 centimetres long. So it's about making sure I was zoomed out enough to get him in, but then still zoomed in enough that you could physically see that tiny mouse dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, because they're related to the sauropods, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, but this really dinky baby one. Um, so I really wanted to make sure that was in. It was kind of the first proper introduction of a live living dinosaur within the book. Yeah. So I, I wanted to get that in, but also I like I don't really hiding a carnotaur in the foliage. And I tested it on a couple of people, sort of sworn to secrecy. I was like, how many dinosaurs can you see in this picture? And quite often they said one. Really? So I was like, yes, that's that's really good. I hope they don't see it until the end when Levine realises what happened and then they have to like quickly flick back and see if it was there the whole time. That's my goal. Oh, that would be lovely. I hope it? a few people do that. Yeah, because it, direct, <laughs> it directly um, sets that out in the novel, doesn't it? It, it yeah. literally it, it recalls him thinking back to... That, yeah, yeah. That very so, moment. So I'm really hoping that trips a few people up, especially people who've never read the book before. And have no idea. How did you how did you do the Carnotaurus? Did you create the Carnotaurus and then build the foliage around him or the other way round or uh I knew roughly where it was gonna go and then drew him and then deleted him well, hid him from the scene entirely and then drew the scene without him in. And then yeah. pulled him back in and sort of hoped it would hide him just enough. It was, it was a lot of balancing between like, how many shadows do I add? How much detail do I add? It was uh, yeah, a lot of back and forth with how much to show. And how it's cool getting the details of Levine's glasses and the backpack as well. That's really yeah. nice. Which is obviously perfectly described as usual. So yeah, it's all there for me to pull out. I looked at it and I was studying all over it trying to sort of look at every part of it and I completely missed the Carnotaurus and then <laughs> went back over it and I was like oh my life it, it almost <laughs> shot me seeing it because you just don't see it and then it just it's like one of those I don't know if you remember in the early 2000s or late 90s they had those pictures and you had to look yep. at them for a very long time before they came yeah yeah and then all of a sudden you'd actually see what was in the hidden I used the I, I was born in 92, and I'd say just around that time, late 90s, I subscribed to an art magazine called Art Magic, and it was one of those proper, like, through the post, full of kids' activities to do with, you know, crafting and making and painting and drawing and stuff. And on the back page, they had those sort of eye puzzles. And me and my mum used to get it through the post, spend 20 minutes looking at the back page, and then kind of abandon the magazine for a while, because that was like our most exciting bit. I yeah. loved them. Maybe that came into it a little bit. Possibly. It just reminded me of that, but it really works. It, you, you've, you've got it absolutely spot on. I love it. I'm glad. So moving on to the map, um, we oh, get yeah. a map in the original, I think in the original copy of The Lost World, when it was very first yeah. released as a map. So... Was this something that you were keen to include or was it something Folio wanted to put in there? 
I assumed they would keep the original map because they they obviously try and include all the graphics that are in the original novels um, to some extent. So I just assumed that would be something they did. They just leave it as it was and included that. But then after I'd sort of sorted out all the inside illustrations with them, all the roughs were approved and stuff, uh, they came back to me and said, we don't think the map goes with your artwork. Would you like to redraw it? So I was kind of terrified because it had to feel the same as the original map, but it's kind of a challenge to make it still fit with my illustrations and fit with that map layout. So I kind of had to trace over the original map, but then sort of restyle it to fit what I'd done. And drawing trees that small was chaos. I absolutely hated it. I really didn't enjoy the process at all. Really? It was, it was really challenging. Yeah, yeah. To to sort of pull it away from that style, but still keep it exactly the same. And then recognising that a lot of the choices of where they've put things was based on how much wording you could fit in those gaps and things like that. So yeah, it was kind of, it was really nice having someone do the map already. So I didn't have to try and work out where everything was, but at the same time it was it was real torture trying to sort of recreate something that existed as it did I love already. the little details of like the high hide there with the circular cage at the base yeah. and the raptor nest with the apatosaur drawing um, tiny is skeleton. so hard i don't know yeah. how where's wally the guy who did where's wally did it cuz i find it so stressful i think you could easily run a course for people on how to draw tiny things and yeah. make a lot of money on it really? i find it really stressful <laughs> maybe maybe that's your next move <laughs> oh, not for me. Not for you see, me. you see this island. I like your detail. The challenge is to draw this <laughs> island. So I love that we get the helicopter here approaching from the west as well. Yeah, uh, that's that's a cool detail, and the clouds as well, because that's how Malcolm um, decides that the island they're going to is sauna because of the volcanic yeah. activity. That's really nice. And I wondered, you know, you've got the cluster of little islands or little rocks on the left there. Literally, just copying the original. Because you've got four, yeah. so I'm thinking, is that the other four, you know, the five deaths? <laughs> That's a nice nice insight to it, isn't it? I hope so, but yeah, ultimately yeah. I was just kind of copying what was there already. I love the fold as well. You've got the, you've got the, as if it's a, an actual map that's been folded yeah. out. And then, yeah, that's so cool. That was a, another way to sort of trick people, because obviously we had to sort of draw the map to the right of the spine. We didn't want to lose any detail on the actual island. So it's about making the rest of it look interesting enough in the areas where there was no detail. So sort of paper folded texture on top help. And also it's great for the book, the story itself, I think, because it's kind of like a reference as well. You it's know, so useful, yeah. <laughs> because the storyline jumps from here to there, if you need to, you can just jump back to it mm. and think, oh, right, yeah, this is where we are, you know. And I did you that know. when I first read the book, right, originally yeah. like years ago. I was just flipping back and forth from the map all the time. So we mentioned the Triceratops earlier with the you know, mm. designing the baby triceratops skull so that's our next image this is this is also an absolutely fantastic image i really really love it this is the first I'm time glad. eddie sees it well actually they have already seen the compsignathus but yeah. obviously they're small so this is the yeah. first time they get to see a proper big as we imagine them dinosaur yeah this is the um, one where eddie freaks out quite a yeah. lot <laughs> completely slams on the brake yeah. doesn't he thorn like yeah, rocks yeah. up alongside Sliding him in the around. trailer yeah yeah so tell me about this uh, this picture. How did you arrive on this one, deciding to do this drawing, and what it was like to do? Well, again, it was kind of just it was nice bringing in another species um, that we'd not really seen before, 
it's obviously quite an important dinosaur. I think it's a lot of people's favourite dinosaur. It's one of the earliest ones you're introduced to. We think of them as quite friendly, unless unless you watch um, Land Before Time, which is quite stroppy. But I think yeah. ultimately they seem like gentle Sarah. giants to most people. Yeah, stroppy Sarah. And uh, it just kind of made sense because it, it exposes the island to them at that moment as well. It sort of depicts them trampling through the thick sort of woodland yeah. style foliage and then sort of displaying the background being the whole island so it seems like a really important moment for those characters as well and yeah just quite nice drawing a baby dinosaur the uh the original one i pitched was from just outside of the truck and just sort of looking down the side of it at them but then folio came back and said can we be inside the truck to sort of i think to sort of mirror the original uh t-rex attacking the car book uh, first book version but then also yeah. to get more of a sense of Eddie just getting really surprised so yeah. it was kind of a blessing and a curse because then I was like okay what does the inside of the dashboard look like in this particular model of Explorer and I've got to get a solar panel on there somehow which is uh, difficult as well a lot of researching into solar panels at the time making sure that looked right how did you find drawing that it's really tricky. So, yeah, I struggled a lot. I tried to do it several times just by hand, trying to get the shape right. And then eventually I gave up and I went into uh, Adobe Illustrator and like built it flat on and then used the 3D tool to kind of work out the perspective on that. You did a great job on Eddie's face as well, looking sort of alarmed and pointing out. Because, <laughs> I mean, I suppose you're doing two things here. We're We're seeing it through his eyes. Or over his shoulder, or just but behind you can him, see yeah. him in the mirror, can't you? Yeah, that was the trick. I I wanted to make sure you sort of got a bit more of a sense of he's sort of pointing with a bit of a panic in his face, but then not revealing too much about him, so people could still decide what he looked like. Yeah, no, it works just really well. And you've got the yellow sulfur- sulfurous bubbling pool as well with mm. the with the white steam coming off it. Again, it's described in the book so nicely; it wasn't too challenging to come up with it's sort of running alongside the road i think in the text so yeah just getting those details in as i've made notes of the descriptions of the the sort of surroundings yeah no it works really well try and get it all right it's a great it's a great picture so the next one we've got is thorn and levine being chased by the rex oh yeah now this is terrifying to draw terrifying in which way because it's a rex. Uh, just... Making a believe. Oh no, the rex. No problem at all. The the terrifying bit was designing a realistic electric motorbike from the time period, and <laughs> trying to work out what that might come across like. There's a new there's a new fan base to offend there, and that would be the uh, proper motorbike enthusiasts. So uh, yeah, cover it in lots of side paddles and maybe put some sort of charging hole on it somewhere, but. Yeah, that was, uh, that's what that we get scary. here. That's like a plug shape, is it, on the base there? Maybe. <laughs> ah, okay. All right, okay. I love we've got Levine's trousers are ripped, and I like the fact that he's holding yeah. his glasses as well. That's such a cool detail. Where he's well, wrapped so around the, reason, the reason he's holding his glasses is because his head was so close to Thorne's head, and he was also wearing glasses, and I didn't like the idea of there just being two men's faces right next to each other looking almost exactly the same. So, yeah, I thought maybe he just took him off and had him gripped in his hand. Yeah. I love There's a going lot of on glasses in these books, actually, isn't 
There is, yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I love I love going on roller coasters and I wear glasses for distance and that's constantly me on roller coasters, like realising that they're not going to stay on my head. So just taking them off and gripping them in my hand. So I think that probably came from that. Just a lot of trips to Alton Towers over the summer. I love this uh, picture though. It's so cool. There's a lot of colours in here. So you've got the orange and the blue and yeah. then you've got the brown on the wrecks. And then you've got the sort of vibrant green behind. So you get a real mm. sense of it um, it coming towards you. I think Thorne looks really well drawn as well. You can re- you can see him sort of checking back to see what's, you know, how far away the Rex is. It, it's such yeah. a, it's such a good image. What, how did you come across, how did you decide on this? Was it a placement in the book or was it something that you wanted to do in particular? It was good action. It was a good, scary action sequence. Um, we had to get the Rexes in somewhere. So this was one of the pictures that I put forward. Um, yeah. There's some like really calmer moments, but then this is one of the more sort of intense moments. And it just seemed like such a good section of the book where you, you kind of can't read fast enough. Like you're yeah. really trying to flee this terrible experience. And, and it's kind of up to Levine's nosiness, essentially. Isn't it? He's right by the nest watching them and he's kind of ignorant to the danger. That's then, his character, isn't it? Yeah, and then and then Thorn just being kind of annoyed that he has to go rescue him, yeah, and looking quite grumpy and weathered. Yeah, and the Rex. Um, so how did you go about drawing the Rex itself? How did you? Was that tricky creating it? It chasing the the illusion of it chasing after them. Yeah, a lot of uh, looking at my models, all my toys from Rebor and you know similar, all the sort of more realistic models I've got. And then yeah. just literally drawing loads of circles over and over again. And some, again, turning some fossils around on 3D things online and just trying to get that sort of angle right. I didn't want to look at I didn't want to look at the films at all because I, I knew that would influence what I was doing. So although there is a lot of T-Rex chases in all of the films, I just tried to avoid that as much as possible and stick to bones, basically. Yeah, we don't get a lot of uh, motorbike uh, action, do we, really? We get the, the round-up scene in the Lost World movie, but that's sort of... There's no threat. That's when they're catching them, and then you've got... Yeah, you're kind of alongside the bikes. They're not coming towards you there. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. then we get a bit in the Lost World, don't we? Sorry, the, um, Jurassic World, when they're out with the yeah. Raptor squad. But again, At it's night, sort of yeah. different context, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it feels different as well, I think. it's The bike is very much part of the story i think in this book is just gonna you know say it's electric thing. it's silent it it kind of is one of the key tools they have to their disposal yeah and it, it, so it, it uses, it's it used in. a few times isn't it because we like yeah. when um, they're chasing arby kelly and sarah chasing yeah arby, yeah that's another sort of key part of the story isn't it and kelly has to like kick the raptor away from the yeah. back <laughs> yeah I love yeah that. it's really it's intense great. it's a character in itself isn't it the bike it is it's it really is. useful Speaking of Kelly, the next image we've got is the Arby and Kelly in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, I didn't pitch this originally. No? I didn't. Um, That came through uh, them suggesting they wanted it because the things I pitched in the middle, they just weren't as interested in. I had a high-hide scene, but obviously that comes later anyway, so it didn't seem as pivotal to them. And another one I pitched for the middle was Sarah avoiding the stampede, which is the title page image. So they weren't going to use that. And then uh, 
so yeah, it seemed like there was sort of a bit missing there. There was sort of a chunk in the middle of the book that they hadn't found anything for yet. Oh, I hadn't. So they were like, how about inside the trailer? Let's get the kids in. So I pitched um, Arby's dream where he's sort of drifting off to sleep. They're all surrounded by him and uh, him and Kelly. Sorry, are surrounded by snacks, and he sort of sees one in the window of the trailer, uh, but thinks he's dreaming. He doesn't quite realise that he's actually seeing a T-Rex. And neither do we. We aren't sure. So I pitched that one as well. Uh, but I think ultimately that one looked a bit too much like the film where they're, where they're uh, doctoring the baby T-Rex and the big one comes down and looks through it. Felt too familiar, I think, on that front. So then, yeah, the other option was them sort of watching the monitor <laughs> while... While the bones get crunched and they, yeah, they both sort of panic and look away and can't look back. It's a really nice scene because it's, it's the kids being kids. It's them being exposed to something they shouldn't see yet. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, a bit no, like, we should see ever, but. It reminded me of the compies around the baby's crib that you drew in the in Jurassic yeah. Park. It's just like, it's a great picture, but it's quite creepy at the same time. And yeah, this... actually thinking about like these, these kids are watching someone get eaten by a T-Rex. Yeah. No one should have to see that. Yeah, if you um, take the take context of the story out, you just think that is awful, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> absolutely horrific. That's life changing. Yeah. They need therapy after this for sure. And you got the chance to like fully draw them. You know, we get to see all of their face, their features, and everything. Yeah, because they don't exist in the film. They're sort of amalgamated into one character, aren't they? So exactly. Separately, it's quite exciting to get to draw them. Nice that you've included the radio there as well, because obviously that's in the novel itself. They, yeah. they can hear the screams of Basilton. Um, and what a nice thing to mind. draw, that that old curly cord. Yeah. You don't see that anymore. No, you don't. on old radios. Yeah, that's right. I've got one actually in the Jeep. I've got one uh, Of course up, you do. So we're going to talk to each other. I love the, the, the uh, switch bank with the lights, the green and the red lights as well. Um, another fan base i can uh, really annoy is anyone who's into actual computers and yeah. <laughs> recognizing that i've just drawn a load of nonsense there and there's no way it means anything is that but, a, yeah. is that like a genetic code that's supposed to represent ibn uh logo or something like that on oh the, the little logo yeah Army. i just needed i just needed a logo so i thought why don't we stick some dna on there it needed something so i'll just sort of unbrand yeah that's a great detail that's really cool. And again, more glasses. Yeah, why not? Let's stick loads of glasses on everyone. Absolutely. I've never drawn right. so many glasses in my life. So, next up we have the high hide. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. is such a cool, <laughs> such a cool image. Um, this this is the, reading through the text, this, is, this isn't them scaling up, this is them jumping off, isn't it? As he, as Eddie They're literally up jumping the up at them. Yeah, meters into the air. My favourite thing about this picture is seeing the rope tied off in the top left-hand corner on the tree there. <laughs> I I love it. It just kind of grounds the whole. It gives you the sense of height because it's got to, of yeah. course it's got to be tied off because it's like it's up in the sky there, and it's. Uh, I and just, the thing it's itself so is really lightweight and collapsible, so it is supposed to be this place of safety, and it's really not that safe. It's not high enough. As Dr. Malcolm says in the movie, it puts them in a perfect biting position. It's it's such... And they, the raptors look absolutely... I mean, they, they've got That's their eyes... That's a proper horror scene, that they're is. Really yeah. They're not, they're not just cute them. dinosaurs, though. 
they're killing machines at this point. A bit like you were saying when you're reading about Thorne and Levine being chased by the Rex, mm. it's all very fast, isn't it? The it's so intense and dark. The book is very fast. It gets. Uh, it it also gives. I love the red. It's sort of an orangey red. It's a bit like the lab scene that you drew yeah. in Jurassic Park, where the the vibrant red yeah. sort of comes off the page. It's a very illuminating image, and you've got the sort of. The, I like all the fauna around it as well, the different colours and different shading that you've got going on there. It feels very like an action. That was a really fun moment. bit to draw, actually. Is I basically drew everything the correct colour and then I, I stuck a few layers on top of just, like, grain and noise and then just started playing with different layer settings. So, like, just messing with the colours digitally, yeah. basically, until it looked like they were sort of lighting up based on the flare. Also watching videos of people setting flares up as well and just seeing what it does to the environment around it. Like Jurassic Park. I avoided that entirely. I avoided that entirely. Yeah, I didn't want to get too (laughs) coerced into accidentally drawing a scene directly. But um, yeah, loads of sort of search and rescue. Was the high hide something you wanted to do? I kind of knew it had to be drawn, but I also knew it would be really challenging to draw. So I was quite grateful that it happened in the dark so I could just leave out most of the detail. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so was that was was it folio saying we need a high no that was definitely one of my early pictures you... i was like yeah this this seems crazy and i'm really intense and kind of similar to the film in that you've got the high hide there but it feels very different so yeah it just it just made sense as a, a it unique does, it does feel very different sort of location and because we hadn't included it anywhere else, it seemed like it was quite an easy one to get. It's kind yeah. of a start and a finish, actually, because this very scene ends up with that cage yeah, exactly. being in the raptor nest, doesn't it? So it kind of get, goes full circle. No, I love it. It's, it's it's such a good image. It really, really is. It really sits off the page. And it um, is very representative mm. of the speed of the text, how much yeah. trouble they really are in. I love the writing of that. So... Moving on to the last mm. full colour image in the book. <laughs> this is This is the one I was most beauty. nervous about, actually. <laughs> so, well, I, I know it's that? such a key moment for everyone in the book. I feel like all of the... So all of the things on the internet you see about the novel tend to point to this moment. It's the moment that the sort of big baddies are revealed and they've been sort of hiding there the whole time. And... Uh, and then also just the idea of drawing a tennis court in the background terrified me. Drawing chicken wire. Ah, oh, awful. <laughs> Absolutely awful. And then also the fact that they're sort of, they're streaky white is quite intense. It's like, how I've got to make sure this looks like I've finished the picture and I haven't just forgotten to colour them in. It's, yeah. So funny that you've got these incredibly detailed dinosaur species and you're most terrified about the chain link. Ah, oh, try drawing a chain link fence accurately, because they the bits of wire interloop. It's not just a straight grid. You you have to make it look believable, and it's lighting up a bit because of the torches. I was very tempted to go and find some real chain link fencing at night and just point a torch at it just to work out how the light would work. I just didn't have time. Didn't have time to find anything accurate enough. So I just had to sort of go with it. So am I right in saying that this is a blue court and they are the yeah, white yeah. lines for the tennis court? So there's court just a court itself. in the background. Love that. Oh, that is so good. And obviously you've got the moon there because it references the moon shining down. Yeah, and, and more so that's quite useful because I had to have a bit of backlighting. Like the, the background had to be visible even though it was just torches lighting up the scene. 
Like, if if it was just torches and nothing else, you wouldn't be able to see anything behind them. It would just be them. So it's an excuse to sort of draw a bit of background and have it be visible. And then also I think it balances the white quite nicely. If you If you put your thumb over the moon and look at the scene, it doesn't quite work. They're a bit too in your face. But just having that extra bit of white somewhere else seems to help it. Yeah, it pushes it down a bit. And having the store there is really cool. I love the fact that as a yeah. reader, you know Thorn's inside. And he's thinking, you know, what's going on? Because he doesn't, he hasn't got a clue. Well, he knows, he knows he's in trouble, but he doesn't know yeah, why the Yeah, yeah, that's sort of his saving off, grace, but he doesn't really know what's happening. Yeah, and you've got a little bit of like weeds and foliage growing off the, between the floor mm. and the side of the store. And it just looks, and the paint, yeah, is yeah. that the paint sort of chipping away? Yeah, it had to look a bit abandoned and yeah. sort of run down. But at the same time, it's quite a manicured area, so it wouldn't be too overgrown and wild. It would just be sort of damaged looking, old looking. And you've got the, I don't know what they're called, but you've got those red um, sort of rounded ridge tiles. I just guessed, on the roof I there. just figured that would be accurate. And then uh, also in the previous book I did the, with the pterosaurs flying around, it was just uh, trying to sort of make sure it felt like it was in the same place. It's still, you know, off the coast of Costa Rica, so... It just made sense that that would be the roofing. Yeah, it's yeah. the sort of buildings. And just have. added a different colour to bounce off the blue. Yeah, it gives just like different layers, isn't it? And of course, they're they're yeah. very, they're very white, so you can kind of use that in the film itself, the Lost World film, when Sarah's being pursued by the raptors. Oh yeah, of course, and she's throwing the, the tiles at them. Yeah, yeah. In the finale, they're the same tiles as well, aren't they? So, got that absolutely spot on with the yeah, uh, yeah, it seems to make sense. And again, the silhouette of Levine and uh, Sarah Harding. That that arguably that. they're so a bit good. too close. I drew them closer still, and the editor was like, "Let's try and bring them back a bit." But I just wanted to make sure you got a sense of the scale of the dinosaurs, and then also they were part of the scene because they were. So there's sort of, it's arguable how close they are, but I think it just about works. How did you go about? Because um, you've got you've picked up the sort of. I don't know what you would call it, the sh- the round shape of the lens just on the floor there. So you've got the two, you can actually see on mm. the Carnotaurus on the left, in the middle of the feet, you can actually see the two sort of directions yeah. of the torch lens. <laughs> How was that? And then obviously you've got awful. the shadows going Absolutely both awful. ways as well, haven't you? I'm sure, I'm sure someone right. <laughs> okay. who is more, um, more in tune with like the actual physics of light displacement or whatever it is I'm sure someone could tell me everything that's wrong about the angles I've done but again it was literally just trying to work it out with uh, toys like getting some models out and shining a phone torch at them in a dark room and just seeing how that casts and stretches and then and then try to scale that shape up again it sort of mirrors it mirrors the first book and the first scene with the compies eating the baby and there's someone pointing there's the sort of nurse maid person pointing the torch at them so there's kind of nice parallels to the first book so i already knew it'd be hell to draw the torch light but it just seemed to seem to come together in the end i didn't really have much time to get it wrong i had to smash it out so it's just sort of thrown in at the deep end yeah was this the last did you draw them in the order that they appeared i do because we were so tight on the time and i wanted to make sure that steve had enough time to sort of review them from a paleontology perspective i drew all of the line work for each image pretty much in order and then i sent off those black and white drawings to him and then got on with coloring as he was approving so they were sort of drawn in order but then colored in order again and then trying to keep sort of consistent color palettes so they all felt like they're in the same place 
And what would you say was the trickiest image of all of the ones in the book oh, to draw? that's a good question. Maybe this one, because I just, I struggled a lot with trying to get the colours to work, even though there's few colours in there, and just getting the light levels right. I didn't want it to look too bright or too dark. And um, when you print it, obviously the colours change slightly. So I, I made it a lot more colourful than I knew it would be to know that, you know, the paper would mute it a little bit. Right. I'm really happy with how it did. I'd be distraught if it came out as bright as I'd sent it. Well, what can I say? I'm a huge fan of all of the pictures that you've done in this um, in this copy of the novel. It's really, really, really nice. And I love the pacing. I know you said some of the images you wanted to draw were possibly mm. too close to each other. But I think as it's, as it's ended up in the book, you get to see enough of the characters, enough of the dinosaurs and enough of the landscape to sort yeah. of carry you right I think, the way yeah, through the Yeah, I think the, the pacing story. works ultimately. And it, yeah, it's nice to get a sort of glimpse of each one and a few different scenes. And you get that sort of sense of it being daytime into nighttime. Because it sort of happens over one day, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's tremendous. It's quite, it's quite an intense period of time for the characters. The sort of main action all happens in one go. So yeah, that's it, true. It's yeah. quite good to get a good balance of light imagery and dark imagery as it went on. You get a feel of get a feel of the story. They spend quite a lot of time at the beginning of the novel, mm. not even getting to the island, and then once they're there, it seems yeah. to all happen very yeah, it's quickly. It's so fast paced. So, wh- who would you say was your favourite character in the novel itself? That's a really hard one. I mean, always the dinosaurs. I don't know if you can count them. <laughs> I'm always in it for the dinosaurs. Well. As yeah, a collective, I, uh, you could do, I suppose. It's, it's probably Arby, because I just find him hilarious. I just think, it, just always his take on what's happening just made me laugh all the way through. Um, I don't really dislike anyone. I think even the sort of baddies are quite enjoyable. I think Dodgson's great. Uh, I feel a bit sorry for King. He gets sort of dragged along a bit, doesn't he? I've got no respect for Basilton. But yeah, apart from that, I think everyone's pretty likeable. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Going back to what you were saying about the dinosaurs being um, a character, it's quite good having the Carnotaurus near the end because up until that point, we've pretty much followed the same species as we do, Mm. well, the same predator species that we do in the first book. You know, we've got the Rex, we've got the Raptor. Um, So throwing the Carnotaurus in right at the end there, I think that was brilliant writing by Crichton. He really... uh, he really did that. So, obviously, I know you did more. You did lots of ideas for which yeah. which scenes you could illustrate for the book here. Uh, if you could pick one more scene, Ooh. wouldn't matter where it sat in the book. You could just literally go for it. That's which a really one would good it question. be? So, um, oh, I think uh, originally I pitched uh, the beach scene right at the beginning, where Levine and Gutierrez go and inspect the sort of blob before it gets exploded. Uh, I think they decide it's um, Ornitholestes sort of pile, dead sort of thing on the sand. That that would have been quite fun. And, yeah, and that would have been chip, quite different. Um, another one I pitched that didn't make it was uh, when uh, the Mayasaura nest is being invaded and they're stealing an egg. I thought that could be quite a fun moment. Because you don't get to see them otherwise. But I think, I think the ultimate one that I really was upset that didn't get made was right, right at the end. And the reason they said no to it was because it was too close to the end that we couldn't actually put one of those pages in there. Was uh, Dodgson in the Rex nest, getting attacked by the baby? 
And so, yeah, I sort of pitched him sort of lying on his back, sort of like shuffling away from the babies approaching him and the mum sort of looking over. Uh, It's sort of just behind him. So he's like sort of scrambling away from them towards the camera, as it were. And then you've got the babies coming towards you. I'm going to have to draw it anyway, aren't I? <laughs> I think it's going to have to be drawn. Yeah, maybe I think that that's that could be one be included in the uh, special edition twenty twenty two slipcase. Um, <laughs> Just release. an extra yeah, little booklet of drawings that's, that's be, to go with it. Yeah, that would be so cool. Or like sleeves that yeah, can sit definitely. in the middle bit or something like that. That would be really nice to see. So, of the novel, it's of the movie and the novel. Which did you did you read the book first or did you? Uh, I watched watch the, the movie, movie first. first. So it came out in ninety seven, didn't it? So. I won't have seen it in the cinema originally because I was five-ish. So I, it must have been on TV. And I remember I remember enjoying it on TV. I don't think I read the book until I was in university, actually. I think because I'd, I'd read Jurassic Park a few times by then, but I'd not really sort of thought of the fact that it was also... There was a second book. So that was a real treat because... It's so different from the film, I think. And it it felt it like is. I was getting an extra sort of dose of story for free. It was really nice. Yeah, it was good reading it then. I think that's true of a lot of people, actually. I, I don't know how, but I actually read The Lost World first <laughs> before reading... I did, I watched the movie first, but I read The Lost yeah. World novel before reading Jurassic Park, the novel. So that was a bit... Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that happened, to be honest with you. But... Um, it's not something no. that everybody knows about. So Folio mm. doing both books is actually great because I think it brings them right up to the sort of yeah, into everyone's definitely. conscious. You know, previous previously um, everyone talked about Jurassic Park the novel, but I, I'm not sure, so sure many people knew about yeah. the Lost World. So now they've been released within a year of each other. I think more people will definitely. Read this book. And then obviously there's the confusion with the Arthur Conan Doyle. The Lost World novel, which confuses people still, I think. Um, it's always a challenge. It's like, yeah, that one kind of has dinosaurs, but not in the same way. It's not not as good. Yeah, because if you literally yeah, Google up. The Lost World, you have to put Jurassic Park in as well, don't you? Otherwise, you, you end up on a computer. You're like looking at it thinking, that's a really yeah. that's an upright <laughs> yeah. T-Rex and a, and a strange and like, looking it, I enjoyed the film. I remember watching it and so. thinking, oh, this is the, the other The Lost World. It's not as good, but... It is enjoyable. So, as when you released uh, Jurassic Park a year ago, you released some prints available on your yeah. um, Etsy shop from the novel. Are you, you going to be releasing any of the prints from so the I Lost have. World? On my website and on Etsy, I've got... Oh, I think on Etsy. I should check that before I say that. Um, I've got the, um, the cover <laughs> uh, illustration, so the raptor nest, I've got in the same sizes. I've got A2 and oh, A1. Lovely. They're the only ones I've done at the moment because I kind of feel like the others don't work as prints, if that makes sense. Yeah, they're so specific really? to scenes that it kind of doesn't make sense to me that anyone would want them as big prints on their wall. I know you're going to disagree with me. But... <laughs> Completely disagree, yeah. I've, al- I've already imagined that I've got... Um... Uh, Thorn and Levine being chased by the Rex underneath the Rex I see. attacking the Explorer, and then I've I've got the Raptor well, and the doable. Raptor front covers, <laughs> and 
And then I've got Levine at the stream bed uh, underneath. underneath See, Tim they're not even the ones I'd consider doing <laughs> if I was going to do more. But yeah, really? you, I mean, you can try and convince me. It's the vibrancy of the colour. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, you know, I think there's definitely... It's one of those things where it's like, done. I've think, stared at them so much, so cool. I can't imagine anyone wanting them on their walls. But obviously, when you haven't had to draw them from scratch, it oh, might be a so bit cool. more desirable. I just think they're so vibrant and they're such good images that they just absolutely... They just I'll, get so good together. I'll get a few good I'll get a few. It's definitely got to be done. Thinking about Michael Crichton's uh, novels, if you were given the opportunity to do any one of them would there be one that you'd like to have so a, a lot of people have already asked me if i would do congo so i feel like that's probably if they were going to do one. Oh right um, i admittedly haven't read it yet so i can't say whether or not i would be any good at it but i mean he's such a good writer i, I haven't I either can't help but think it's great um i enjoyed andromeda strain it's, it's been a while but that, i think that's a fun one but what i'm most disappointed about is yeah. that westworld didn't start as a book Obviously, he did the screenplay in the uh, film for Westworld. Oh, the yeah, the TV right. series Westworld is probably my favourite TV series. I think it's amazing. So if there were a book of that, I would be clamouring to draw it. But I don't think... <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's that. possible through Folio anyway. Have you read Dragontooth? Very different to Jurassic Park, even though it's about yeah. dinosaurs, kind of. Um, but yeah, that would be worth a read. There's some. There's some... Potentially excellent opportunities to illustrate scenes in that novel. Um, and interestingly, there's a character in that called Levine. He must just have a friend. A chapter called Levine. He must the Lost have just World. had a friend that he was uh, so, homaging, yeah. Called Levine, yeah. Yeah, I think he started that in the 70s, so, and then and then it was published yeah. after he passed away. So it's interesting that he had some of those ideas sort of in his mind already, and they yeah, played definitely. out later on, so. But yeah, it's, it's a good one. It's, it's a good. It's. If you're going yeah. to follow the dinosaur line, it's one, it's one to think about. So um, ahead of Jurassic World Dominion hitting cinemas, what are your hopes for the next instalment of the franchise? That's a big question. I've kind of been avoiding all of it because as I've been drawing the book, I find it super distracting to sort of hear news about other things and like keeping my head what I'm actually drawing and what happens sort of two films later. So I've been really good and I've just not really paid attention to any of the news coming out um, for a while now. I've seen a few spoilers come up already. They're sort of, you know, the the images sort of on set that have been released that sort of uh, ruined things a little bit. So I'll, I'll not go into any of those because I don't want anyone else to hear them if they haven't already. But I, ultimately, I'm not too bothered about um, what the humans are going to do. And I think that's because it might disappoint me what they do do. Uh, I really enjoyed how, uh, you know, there wasn't that sort of typical love story in the original trilogy. Like they sort of just went their separate ways and everyone did their own thing. I really liked that. I thought that was really believable and realistic. And I I get the feeling that they're going to try and undo all of that and bring everyone back together in a really wholesome cheesy way yeah yeah so i i'm not really looking forward to that at all personally i'm hoping they surprise me and do something quite fun but yeah i'm not i'm not one of those people who's really nostalgic for the characters and want to see them all in the same room i think it's obviously great to see them all and i'm looking forward to sort of them as individuals but in terms of sticking a 
all about yeah, the story. So really, isn't I, it? again, it's just seeing dinosaurs on a big screen is so exciting. That's that's the bit I love, and I really enjoyed the battle at Big Rock. I I do really enjoy seeing the dinosaurs coming back into sort of the world as we know it. Um, starting with the Lost World film, that's very much at the heart of Jurassic, isn't it? The sort of the prehist these prehistoric mm. creatures that lived in a world that we didn't yeah. know in our world. Kind of and it's beautiful to see them out in yeah. their environment, see them like sort of traipsing around Costa Rica, um, and that sort of scenery and stuff. I think that's that's the ultimate is seeing them in their natural habitat. But then, yeah, when they cross over, like one of my favourite bits from the films overall is when the T Rex is in the back garden and the the dog house is dangling from his mouth. It's just like oh that. That could happen, so I yeah I really enjoy that. But so I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully getting a lot more of that sort of dinosaurs on the loose. I'm personally less interested in hybrids, so they can do what they want with that. Again, I'd rather see hybrids than no dinosaurs. So, you know, bring it on. Mm. I'm not I'm not too worried about the hybrid storyline. I like the you know the the ones that yeah. we, that we know. But then I don't know. Who knows? It could go. It could go anyway. But like you say, just the fact that we're absolutely, getting and it brings the hype across the globe, doesn't it? For just dinosaur stuff in general, I'm all for oh, it. Oh yeah, I want to see as much as possible. Yeah, and I think it might, it might get people looking at these these lovely editions uh, of the of both books by Folio here with your art because it mm-hmm. you know the more Jurassic there is, the more. People yeah, look definitely. At everything the more opportunity there is to sort of expand the fandom. I wonder if Lewis Dodgson. Um, actually, I don't know if that's a spoiler. <laughs> <or> that. <laughs> I, I know, just I know, I know there's stuff like that coming. <laughs> oh my god! I thought I just literally dropped. I'm it not in. that bothered about spoilers in general. <laughs> I was just going to say you can spoil things for me. That's fine. Okay. But yeah, just while drawing the book, I just really didn't want to know anything because. I felt like it would mess with the okay. what All I was right. actually trying to draw and make me forget what Phew. what sort of bit I'm in, if that makes sense. Okay, well that's okay then. Now you've done now you've done it. I can say, do you think Lewis Dodgson's part will be reminiscent of the the part he plays in the novel, it's, The Lost World, uh, <laughs> Ch- running around chasing these? Yeah, eggs maybe. And like I mean, that. it makes sense, doesn't it? Like that was sort of the original plan. And it would make sense that you'd come back and do that. The The thing that I'm sort of confused by is I definitely sort of combine him with um, the character in The Lost World, um, Dieter Stark. I kind of have them really similar in my mind, oh, yeah. especially because they kind of cross over in the book in that Dodgson's the one being attacked by Compies sort of in the stream. But I, in my yeah. head, they're really similar people now because of those sort of overlaps of characters. So I think it wouldn't yeah, make sense that, that they yeah. would keep him too close to the book because I don't think they can now because it kind of already exists in the film as someone else. So I think he's going to be a bit more slick and a bit more evil. I think so. And maybe maybe not running Getting around other chasing people eggs, more kind of like Absolutely. in charge of a group yeah. of people that are, yeah. And not, then will they, won't the they stick to that side? Because I think in the novel he's quite desperate, isn't he, with Biasin to because he's been he's, he's got furious, it wrong so yeah. many times trying to pursue <laughs> Injun. He's like, I've got it, I've yeah, got yeah. to like go there myself and actually and like do really, this to get it done. Really pushes so people into horrible of... situations, like, and then he sort of stands oh, yeah. in the back he's, like a weasel with his anyone, little noise he? box while they run in and grab stuff. So yeah, I think he's going to be the worst in a good way. Looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, so. 
Joe, where can people find you if they want to look at the other stuff that you do and, and, and get in touch? Oh, yeah, please do. Um, everything's under Vector, that fox, which I think I explained last time. It's just a, an easy-to-Google sort of brand name, alter ego situation. Um, so, yeah, everything's Vector, that fox. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, and I've got a website and an email address on there. So, yeah, please do get in touch. Many people have. It's been really sweet. Yeah, you were saying um, before we recorded that you've been contacted by quite a few people about... Yeah, with no sort of questions or reason, just to sort of say, I really like it, which has been super nice. It's it's always something I don't consider when I'm actually doing it. I'm so embedded in the work at the time and meeting the deadlines, I sort of forget about the bit where people are actually going to see it. <laughs> so it's always really nice when people sort of come back with comments and things like that, or just appreciation. It's It's very nice. I can't imagine what that's like, actually, because, like, just here now talking on the video call, I've got your prints up here on the wall. So that must it's be very quite strange. weird. <laughs> it's very strange. Because, they, because you, you created them. Yeah, and I can see the sort of... Pr- I can sort of like, see everything printed. that went into them and all the bits that were really difficult to... Like, I feel like I inherently see through them like an X-ray into everything that I wish I'd done differently. Yeah. Oh, you know... Are you ever on like Facebook and Instagram or something? I get them all the time now because obviously Instagram thinks I might be interested in them. I get just Jurassic Park stuff in general, but yeah, I'm I'm constantly advertising the books, which is hilarious. I've got a few copies already. You don't need to tell me. (laughs) Yeah, it's bizarre. I think that wraps up my questions. I just want to extend a huge thank you to you for agreeing to speak to me again. Thank you for asking. Work on the novel. I. I absolutely love what you've done. I love all of the the drawings and the and the artwork that's gone into this. And I really, really appreciate all of the details. You've really brought the book to life, and um, I think it's absolutely fantastic. And anybody that's a Jurassic Park fan, uh, I'm not on <laughs> commission here, but I can honestly say, go go and buy this book. It's it's absolutely beautiful. Um, it, I think if you bought the first one, you've got to get it anyway because the two of them sit so well together. next to each other. Get both of them for sure because they're they're beautiful and you've done such well, a fantastic you. job. So it's it's been a real pleasure talking to you and thank you very much for bringing this story to life. Oh, thank you. You're such a you're such a fan, and I feel like you're the sort of test for if I've got all the detail right now. I do feel like it's kind of a challenge to try and draw something you don't like. See if I can. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for listening to the 307th episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. Of course, a huge thank you goes out to Ben for conducting an incredible interview uh, yet again. Uh, this is, you know, this happens all the time now with Ben. Always uh, a great conversation when you know Ben's going to be on the show. So 
I loved learning all about how this book was created and, and the artwork that went into it. I know when this one was, was announced, The Lost World, I was so pumped because we all expected it, but we just weren't sure if they were ever going to come out with it. But uh, hey, it's here. We have it now. It's been out for a little while, and it, it is it is like truly beautiful, and I love, love that artwork. So thank you so much to, to Joe as well for joining us here again on the show. I just love learning about the process, and to know that you know that kind of artwork on this kind of book comes from somebody who is so passionate about Jurassic as well. That, that is really meaningful and so awesome to hear. So thank you so much to Joe for joining us here on the show once again. But that is all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, again, if you are participating or if you want to participate in the Lost World Book Club, please send in your thoughts and feelings to JurassicParkBookClub at gmail.com. Get in your thoughts for the next episode, which is going to be on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Get those in uh, by February 12th, and that will be for the third configuration, stopping at the fifth configuration. We want to hear all of your thoughts on that portion of the book, so please, again, send those to JurassicParkBookClub at gmail.com. Make sure you're all staying safe out there, stay Jurassic, and of course, be kind to each and every person you come into contact with. I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to myself for the outro. Thanks, everybody. Be sure to give us a follow over on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod, and myself, at Brad Jost. Also on Facebook and Instagram, at Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to join the Jurassic Park Podcast group on Facebook. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So be sure to follow along. Also, don't miss our live streams, toy hunts, reviews, in-depth bonus content, gameplay, event and theme park coverage, and much more on our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We will read your reviews at the end of most episodes, so be sure to spare no expense. Find us on the web at JurassicParkPodcast.com, where you'll find today's episode's show notes, articles, contributor bios, and so much more. If you want to get a hold of us, you can fill out the contact form on our website or send emails to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. We're always looking for new segments, contributors, mailbag submissions, or anybody who just wants to say hello. Feel free to call our voicemail line at any time to leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Make sure to be kind to everybody and stay safe out there. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.